0: Welcome to the conversation on the TYT network. Uh, Donald Trump recently uh, declared in the Rose Garden that he will use the military inside the United States of America. Uh, He also made a vague reference to the Second Amendment. It seems to incite vigilante violence from his side. Uh, We're brought on Ken Kolbenstein to talk about this and some of the things that he's writing about. He's now a DC correspondent for The Nation magazine. Obviously, he used to be with us as well. Ken, welcome back, brother.
1: Hey, great to be with you in these happiest of times, Cenk.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I can't believe a global pandemic has nearly been forgotten because we're now in the middle of a worse disaster uh, because of uh, the systemic issues that we have and, of course, the president that we have. So uh, you have a lot of contacts in the military. Um, Have you heard anything from them about this, um, what I will call an insane plan to use the military inside the U.S.?
1: Yeah, so what I've been hearing is, uh, and what I've reported recently, was that they took a lot of these plans, um, which were originally unclassified, and ordinarily uh, many of them are unclassified, and they put them onto a classified server called CIPRNet. Um And so it's not clear exactly why that is, um, because when they, you know, put things in a classified servers, it's harder to get access and find out what's going on. It's clear that um, they've done this in the past, for instance, um, with the militarization of the border, they put those plans um, up on the classified uh, server as well but w- what's clear is that there is a move towards more secrecy um, uh, with respect to how the how the military is being deployed and what I'm hearing is that there's just a flurry of um, you know what are called fragmentary orders um, nothing's being put on paper in a very coherent uh, consistent way there's a lot of confusion um, and uh, but there, but there's also um, the impression on the part of law service members I'm talking to at least that they will be uh, that, that it's likely that they'll be deployed soon. So, Ken,
0: uh, you know, I'd always had faith that if President Trump lost the election and he said, I'm not going, that the Joint Chiefs would walk into the office and say, Mr. Ex-President, it's time to go. Uh, We have a system of government here. You lost. It's over. You need to vacate the premises. Uh, Now, though, I'm a little concerned about that. Number one, uh, he has replaced a lot of the military leaders with people who are more loyal to him. And two, this alarming development where he is beginning to use the military inside the United States of America six months before the election. So by the time we get to the election, uh, the military might be used to serving the president and not the country. So um, is there any point at which, The military says, no, Mr. President, we cannot and will not do that.
1: We're about to find out the answer to that question. Um, I don't know. What I can tell you is that um, even at very high levels uh, within the Pentagon, there is a lot of dissension. Um, It's not public. Uh, You know, they they keep it among themselves. Uh, But there is a lot of dissatisfaction, not just um, with what's happening now, but the administration generally. Uh, But that is the operative question, is what are the Joint Chiefs going to do if he ends up really pushing this? Because what we have here is an X factor. Um, in the protests, in the riots. And uh, let's be real, a extraordinarily high unemployment rate uh, being the backdrop against all this with no answer about what to do about that. So to me, I mean, you know, people can wring their hands all they want about the, um, you know, uh, riots. I have my own uh, views on that. But um, so long as the unemployment rate uh, is not dealt with, I can't imagine that um, they're going to be able to stop all forms of civil unrest. Uh, So that will continue. And I imagine Trump's response will continue. Uh, What the variable is here. Is what um, the uh, military officials and I should point out. You know there are people of integrity within the military, um, so I don't think it's clear yet what will happen.
0: So, all right. Well, then uh, let's find out what your views are about uh, the protests slash some turning into riots slash looting. Um, so there are two schools of thought on the left. Uh, one is everybody be calm, be cool. Uh, well, there's three schools. Uh, one is the establishment left saying everybody be calm, let's just go back to normal. For God's sake, let's go back to normal. Uh, then there is now the new left, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, that's saying, no, I, I'm not interested in normal, I'm not interested in this system, I wanna break it. Um, and the third camp, appears to be just me, which is <laughs> it's of course not true. I think it's actually the majority of Americans, kidding aside. That says, look, I, we don't want to go back to normal. Normal is what got all those uh, unarmed African American men killed, uh, but at the same time, we don't want looting for no reason. So, what what's your take on what I'm calling new left? Because I have no other words for it. Uh, how real is it? How much of a part of the uh, protest is it? Uh, and
1: and what happens next with it? Um, I mean we are seeing things happen that have no precedent in uh, living memory, uh, certainly in my lifetime. Um, The extent and spontaneity of these um, riots, uh, you know, which I wanna say, um, I I do think uh, pose a danger in the sense that um, they make it very easy for someone like President Trump to come in and say, we need military force. Um, And not to say that, you know, I'm uh, losing sleep over a Target store or or whatever it may be. No, I'm worried about the response that will come um, from the president to that. And we're seeing it right now. I heard a chopper, a uh, military chopper flying overhead uh, as you know. You were asking me that question. Um, and you know that, uh, the kind of uh, rioting, while I am very sympathetic to the conditions that are um, leading to it, I think we also need to be honest about um, what sort of a um, sort of political hand that affords the president in terms of how he's going to um, respond to it. But again, um, you have people pontificating about what to do who have no answer to this question that I just said. Which is that we have an astonishingly high unemployment rate. Uh, And you don't have to be a genius to know that that's going to lead to dissatisfaction.
0: Yeah. So, Ken, uh, just one more thing on that. You're now located in D.C. So uh, how much unrest is there in D.C.?
1: Well, just before we were speaking, literally minutes ago, um, there were peaceful protesters um, around the White House. Uh, President Trump gave his speech in the Rose Garden. And um, they actually used tear gas to disperse them specifically just to clear out the area for his um, Rose Garden speech. They weren't you know, in violation of anything, they changed. Um, the reason I've got this sort of <laughs> ricky dink set up behind me is because I was at my office and they actually moved up the um, time of uh, the, um, uh, the uh, 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 curfew. Uh, so you know, things are very fluid. They're changing very rapidly. Uh, demonstrators are still out. There have been you know, acts of violence. What I've seen is overwhelmingly um, peaceful. And what you're seeing um, with this response is not just using force, um, in, in instances when, uh, you know, demonstrators are using force, but uh, apparently uh, just for optics purposes to clear out the area, um, you know, after which President Trump, uh, I read, went to the, went to a church and he was holding up a Bible to show everyone, you know, how holy he is um, uh, in doing all this.
0: Did he bring his porn star mistress or did he leave <laughs> her behind? Um, all right. Um, so look, uh, the unrest is real too here in LA. Um, you know, yesterday was near where Mark Thompson lived, today it's near where uh, Anna lives. And, and and it goes on and on and on, right? And so, and people are taking advantage of the situation to sometimes cause more unrest, having nothing to do with the protesters in the community. Um, all right, now, uh, you wrote recently about uh, Trump's decision on an international issue, which is uh, withdrawing from uh, the World Health Organization. Um, are there concerns within our military about that move?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm i sorry, could you repeat the question? I didn't hear the last part of it.
0: Yeah, so Ken, you wrote about uh, Trump withdrawing from the World Health Organization. Are there now concerns within the military about that
1: move? Oh, absolutely, because we have bases all over the world. Um, the unit S is unique in terms of uh, its dispersion of military forces uh, in every... Um, continent and every country, you know, in virtually, you know, many, many countries. Uh, and when you have conditions like that and the sort of conditions, the barracks that they live in, they live in very close quarters. Um, you know, if you have a disease ripping through uh, countries within Africa, I also wrote about um, their concerns about um, uh, it ripping through Iran. It very quickly spreads to these neighboring countries where, where we, may have, we may have soldiers and that's going to actually affect our military readiness. Um, and, uh, and then they come back to the US and you know, spread it here. So there are very legitimate concerns about that because the World Health Organization provides aid to countries that can't themselves afford to uh, you know, provide the sorts of things, not just treatment, but also you know, things like face masks and stuff like that, uh, that can k- kind of ameliorate some of these problems. And what we're really seeing with a pandemic is the way in which countries are all interconnected, um, not just because of the um, shift towards uh, this global economy that we have, uh, but also just the nature of viruses, they spread rapidly between people. Um, so it's really difficult to have this notion of, you know, a nation state as separate from other nation states when you have something that can pass through countries so quickly and, and easily like this.
0: Right. It, it, those countries, if the disease uh, takes off, uh, it affects that country, plus U.S. citizens there, plus the U.S. military there. That's very logical. But there's also um, a power void that, that it creates in international organizations. Uh, and you wrote that China seems to be stepping up to fill that void. How concerned is the military about that as well? Oh, deeply
1: concerned. Because um, they're looking at it as a chessboard. Every, you know, their, their concern is, you know, what does US influence look like? What do our adversaries influence look like? And, you know, one of our most powerful, perhaps our most powerful adversary now is China. And so, um, you know, what this meeting uh, readout that was leaked to me from what's called AFRICOM, Africa Command, shows is that um, they were worried about, uh, China, which is very consciously stepping in, uh, you know, Xi gave a big speech to the UN, uh, very clearly directed to sort of the health concerns of the countries around the world, and said to them, um, it, not just that you know China cares deeply about Africa, kind of underscored some of the uh, growing economic uh, relations that they're having with these various countries within Africa, but also um, I can't remember the exact figure, but offered a huge amount of uh, money and funding uh, for the world health organization, uh, which just prior to that, just prior to that Trump had, um, suspended. And, um, after that, after my report came out, Trump has, um, said that we're going to formally withdraw from the world health organization. So he is absolutely creating a power vacuum and it's not like people are just going to sit back and let that exist. Other, other forces will come and step in. So either we are, uh, you know, influencing the world health system or China is, and that seems to be the, the uh, state of state of affairs here. Uh, by the
0: way, it was $2 billion over 10 years, I know, because I just read your story. Um, okay, Ken Kloppenstein, now uh, DC uh, correspondent for The Nation magazine. Great stories, as always. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it.
1: Great to be with you, Jack. All
0: right, welcome back to the conversation on the TYT Network. We've got a great guest for you guys now. Judah Friedlander joins me. He's obviously world champ. Uh, He has uh, starred in Meet the Parents, 30 Rock, The Wrestler, Star Wars, you name it. uh, He's been on it, Uh, stand up comedian, uh, and also excellent progressive. Uh, By the way, one more thing I should tell you, he's got a great Netflix special that I actually watched with my son until he started cursing a little too much. Uh, America is the greatest country in the United States. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, actually, Judah, you didn't even—I don't think you cursed for like the first twenty minutes, which was amazing uh, for a stand-up comic these days. But anyway, uh, Judah, just before we get started with everything else, and I know uh, you actually did a fundraiser for Just Democrat and stuff. Uh,
2: are you still world champ? Still, the world champ, which means I'm a champion of the world and I'm a champion of the world's rights and all the inhabitants of the world. That's who I fight for.
0: So uh, does your heart hurt as the champion of the world these days for what the world is going through with coronavirus and now the unrest in America and Donald Trump? And just uh, a little while ago, Trump uh, declaring that uh, the military will not act within the United States and all the things that are happening.
2: You know, I actually just tweeted this a few days ago. I tweeted. The USA's foreign policy and domestic policy are identical. And, uh, you know, that's uh, always been one of our problems. Uh, We're imperialists, uh, foreign and domestic. And, uh, you know, I I actually thought martial law was going to happen a little while ago. But uh, here we are, possibly on the brink of it. So, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. I just, uh, you know... Wish everybody to keep fighting, keep fighting smart, new ways to fight, and stay safe.
0: Yeah. What, uh, you've been a uh, leading voice for America being number one uh, within the United States. Uh, so now that we lead the world in coronavirus cases and deaths, uh, do you feel like uh, you're apprecient on that
2: count? Uh, I think so. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it was uh, several years ago I was doing stand up bits about how we're number one on things. And It seems like that's kind of become uh, sort of a lot of people talking about that these days, unfortunately, but um, that's the way it is. But uh, say what you want about our country. We're exciting. Never dull. This is an exciting country. Lots of human rights violations, but exciting.
0: Yeah. And by the way, to your point about uh, domestic and foreign policy being the same, that's why I always thought like. People who thought it was inconceivable that some uh, parts of the CIA might have been involved in killing JFK, like, wait, let me get this right. The guys who regularly killed progressive leaders of other countries throughout the world somehow would have had some moral barrier to our progressive leader being taken out when that leader is way more important than any of the other leaders in the world for their power grab. Like, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But the idea that they would find that unconscionable, I I thought, to be absurd.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, another joke I did years ago was, uh, you know, people always talking about, this is the general theme of the joke, people always talking about, oh, gun control, we got to fix gun control inside this country. It's like, what about our gun control outside the country? You know, we we do more, we're responsible for more guns on the planet outside our country than probably any other country by a long shot.
0: Yeah, in fact, when defending uh, the decapitation dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi by the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, Trump said, yeah, but we sell a lot of guns to them. Oh, I did, okay, I didn't know it was that serious. Okay, so I, I see how that justifies his violence. Um, so, uh, Judah, you recently participated in actually two fundraisers for jamal bowman who's an awesome just democrat uh, progressive running in new york how'd that come about uh
2: yeah so i was uh, you know i do stand-up shows uh pretty much every night right now actually i'm only doing them not every night but still pretty often i'm doing online stream shows but one of the comedy clubs that i play fairly often in new york city it's in brooklyn actually right near the barclays center where uh A lot of the protests have been uh, initially starting. Um, uh, So the owner of this comedy club actually grew up with Jamal Bowman. They went to school together. And so he was having a fundraiser one night for him. And he asked me, hey, do you want to be on this fundraiser? And, you know, I'm someone who I I don't generally endorse politicians. I endorse uh, ideas and ideologies and philosophies. Uh, and I don't like telling people what to do, but, uh, I researched, uh, Jamal Bowman and I thought he had a, you know, uh, a lot of good things on his platform and it's, and the seat he's going for is, it seems like there's a lot of things very similar with what happened when AOC was running where she was, you know, she unse- she was, she ran against someone who had been there for so long and, uh, and that's a similar situation here. So I did that show, that was before the lockdown. And then just about a week ago, um, Eastville Comedy Club did another fundraise for him that was a, a, a live streamed comedy show. And I did that one also. And uh, I, I think he's really been doing a lot of, a um, lot of good stuff recently and platform wise, and you know the videos and that he's been putting out on social media I think are, uh, are very strong. So, um, yeah. you know, it's an important election. So I, uh, you know, I wish him well. Yeah.
0: Let me do- double down on two things you just said. One, Elliot Engel is a guy until Jamal started running in that primary was a Democrat who was generally hawkish and, uh, and talked uh, about how we need to do something about Iran. That is not good talk. Uh, and, and so that's, A lot of the Democratic establishment co-signed on to our military aggression across the country. So um, it's about time they get cleaned out uh, with actual progressives who don't want guns inside or outside of the country. Uh, And then secondly, if you're not following Jamal on Twitter, you should, cuz he's really putting out some amazing stories about his experiences as a black man in America and in New York. And some of them have been gut-wrenching. I've shared some here, like when he was going to pick up his kids and they arrest them make him sit on a urine-soaked uh, floor, and they never charge him with anything. Just arrested him because he was black. He, he runs a school in New York, didn't bother asking, there was no charge. It's amazing, it's amazing what happens. So I mean, you can really follow really almost any black man in America and find similar stories. But but Jamal is a powerful way of communicating that, so check out Jamal Bowman. Um, so Judah, Uh, now that you told me it's near the protests in Brooklyn, uh, where you do the, uh, your act uh, and your stand-up comedy, is there some chance that the protests are centered around you since you're the world champ and they might want to get your attention, uh, you know, in these. Oh,
2: that's a good point. I mean, you know, normally, you know, I'm out there protesting and hitting the streets and I'm, uh. Wary of doing that because of the pandemic. I, you know, I'm not quite ready to be uh, getting so close to other people. Um, and uh, otherwise, I would be there, you know. <laughs> I've yeah, been- you no, know, seriously, you know, uh, I,
0: I had the same exact issue. You know, I got kids here. I got my wife. I see my parents uh, we're in a way that's outside and distant. But, um, and so I'm, I'm worried about going to uh, protest in the middle of coronavirus, let alone everything else. Right? right? And so, man, we have gotten just shellacked here, coronavirus, civil unrest, 40 well, people unemployed.
2: You know, I think that that's what makes it even more important to support these protesters because what they're doing is, is so important and the fact that they're doing it during a pandemic is- is pretty unbelievable and it's, uh, heroic. And, um, so I, I wish them all, I wish them all well. And, uh, yeah. So, so, and I know, I, you know, I, I have a friend, he's a comic. He was arrested in Brooklyn the other day and he wasn't doing anything that where he should have been arrested, but they arrested him and, uh, he lost his bike. He lost his phone. And, when they throw them in the paddy wagon, there's no social distancing. You know, they don't even have the opportunity to do social distancing. He said none of the cops were wearing masks. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, and then, you know, and I read another report from a, a journalist who was arrested in New York. And he said that, you know, the cops take off their masks, won't give them back. So it's, you know, such a, you know, in addition to the human rights violations they do so often. They're doing them in new ways during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, Judo, you know, you're in New York, uh, and there's been a lot of protests. I'm in Maryland,
2: in I'm in Maryland right now, but uh, oh, okay. I'm in New York normally a lot, and tour around the world too. But right now I'm in Maryland. Too. Okay, gotcha. So then let me ask you this, um,
0: I- I've been pretty frustrated by the media coverage of the protests, uh, in- in- you often have a point of view on that. So, what's your take on how the media has handled this so far?
2: Well, you know, I, I've I've talked to some friends who, who've been on the streets protesting. Uh, I I haven't been there myself. So, when you go there yourself, it, it's very easy <laughs> to critique the media because you're there, you're seeing it, and then as opposed to seeing it on, at home, you know. But you know, I know I know someone yesterday, a comic on on Instagram, that they, they were in Los Angeles. And they were at the protest, they said everything was peaceful, yet the cops were a block away launching stuff at them. And then they said a block behind the cops, before they got to the protest, people were looting nonstop, and the cops were nowhere to be seen. So, you know, I haven't haven't watched all the news, but I haven't seen that story being said on the news, you know, and... Yeah.
0: No, no, it's interesting. Yeah, Judah, I'm seeing too that uh, while they're going after protesters, sometimes they've been weirdly like hands off about looters, which makes
2: no sense. Should be the exact opposite. It does make sense if their goal is to make, you know, if the government's goal is to make the protesters look like they're all bad. Or there's enough bad uh, people there causing violence, then they'll be like, well, this isn't a cause worth fighting for. We got to get rid of the protesters, Uh, and then you know you can then you can put in the cops and the military and have martial law. So maybe this is the administration's plan, you know, is to you know uh, mess up the uh, the protests so that they. Maybe they're ensuring that they become violent because that's what they want. Then they can then they can give the false justification to shut them down and to shut down, you know, First uh, First Amendment rights. And I mean, there's been so many, uh, you know, TV broadcasters and journalists who look like they've been uh, shot at with uh, rubber bullets or the or pepper spray and. You know, and arrested. I mean, you had the you had the broadcaster on CNN who was arrested, uh, and his crew right in front of them, and it was so obvious they were journalists, yet they were still being arrested.
0: Yeah, that's so, exactly right. All right, Judah. Last thing: where can people check out your stream, and do you have anything uh, that's also coming out soon?
2: Well, I you know I was I probably have over a cup over two hours of new material uh, since my last stand up movie came out, and. I have a bunch of stuff filmed from the past year so I'm going to be self-releasing that uh soon and uh as well as putting out another album and I'm doing stand-up shows on Zoom for the most part sometimes on my Instagram for uh usually about 5 or 6 times a week um and that's all random so uh, people can check me out on uh, mostly Instagram Twitter uh And it's a Judah world champ, J-U-D-A-H, world champ.
0: All right, Judah Friedlander, thanks
1: for joining us on uh, The Young Turks as usual, brother.
2: Yep, stay safe.
1: You too.